I'm Don Mockholtz, and you're listening to Looking Up with Don. This is the Looking Up with Don podcast, episode number 84 for the week of August 11th, 2021. The related website for this podcast is donmacholtz.com. That is spelled D-O-N-M-A-C-H-H-O-L-Z.com, two H's. What's up in the sky this week? As our week begins on Wednesday, August 11th, the moon is a thin crescent in our evening sky. The moon reaches first quarter on Sunday, August 15th at 1519 Universal Time. By next Tuesday, the moon will be 70% full in our evening sky and far south in the southern sky. This is a good week to get out and watch the moon as a terminator moves across the moon each night. One project I did decades ago was to use my video camera and film the moon as it drifted through my field of view while my clock drive was off and the telescope was stationary. The camera was on a tripod pointed through the eyepiece of the telescope. This can be done with simple equipment. The moon drifts through the field of view in two minutes or less. And since the moon was magnified enough, I use medium magnification of about 100 power so that the moon more than filled the field of view. I made three sweeps of the moon each night, starting at the north for the first sweep, then the midsection, then the southern section. By the end of a week to 10 days, you have a photographic record of the moon showing it in detail. Something to watch on cloudy nights or run in the background as a screensaver. On Sunday, August 15th, at about 0500 hours universal time, the terminator on the moon will be so placed that the letters X, V, and L will be visible as the sun will be rising in those areas. Use the moon map from this podcast Podcast 84, Map 4, to find those landmarks. Early on the morning of August 15th translates to late in the evening of Saturday, August 14th in the Western Hemisphere. At the beginning of this week, the Perseid meteor shower is in full swing, and this year is a good year as the moon will not be in the morning sky. This doesn't happen every year. Looking ahead to next year, 2022, the moon will be full during the meteor shower, so this washes out the shower except for the bright meteors. The year after that, 2023, the moon will be in the morning sky, a a crescent rising a couple of hours before dawn. That will provide some interference with the Perseid meteor shower. Then, in 2024... The moon will be first quarter in the evening sky, setting about midnight. 
So not until 2024 will we have a similarly favorable conditions to what we have now. Both Saturn and Jupiter are well-placed for easy observation in the evening southern sky. This weekend is the ALPO Zoom Virtual Conference. ALPO is short for the Association of Lunar and Planetary Observers. The meetings are on Friday, August 13th and Saturday, August 14th, beginning at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. You can register for it by sending an email to Tim Robertson at cometman at cometman.net. The following weekend, Thursday, August 19th through Saturday, August 21st, the Astronomical League holds their virtual convention on YouTube. It is called Alcon 21. You can go to the internet and register to be part of the audience for this convention. Many good speakers will be presented. Don't miss out on it. Once again, Astronomical League, Alcon 21, August 19th through the 21st. Will you be able to see the International Space Station this week, which for our purposes begins Wednesday, August 11th, through Tuesday, August 17th? It depends upon where you are located. Most of you won't see it this week. This week we have four zones. All you need to know is your latitude. North of 16 degrees north. And that is most of you, you won't see the International Space Station this week. From 20 degrees south to 16 degrees north, the equatorial region, the ISS will be in your evening sky for most of the week, and some of you will also see it in your morning sky. From 45 degrees south to 20 degrees south, The ISS will be in your morning sky for the first part of the week and in the evening sky for the second part of the week. South of 45 degrees south, you will not see the ISS at all this week. To determine where it will be in your sky, go to the website heavens-above.com and enter your location. Then click on ISS. Our comets this week are comets 4P-Fay and 15P-Finlay, both in our morning sky and about magnitudes 10 to 11. These comets are plotted on podcast 82, map 4, comets. The positions, that is the right ascension and declination, and distances from the Earth and Sun can be found on Podcast 82 Comet Positions. You can also get the positions for these and other comets from the website heavens-above.com and you click on Comets. Now for the Astro Class. In the past two weeks, we covered open and globular star clusters. Next week, it is galaxies. This week... It is nebula. By the way, the plural for nebula is nebulae. N-E-B-U-L-A-E. 
A nebula is described as a fuzzy or cloudy-appearing object in the sky. Until about a hundred years ago, almost everything that wasn't a star, star cluster, comet, or planet was considered a nebula. Hey, this looks fuzzy. It must be a nebula. Then Edwin Hubble and others showed that some of those nebula are actually galaxies. A galaxy is an island universe, a system of stars, gas, and dust. A nebula is a group of dust and gas in our own galaxy. There are several types of nebula. One is the reflection nebula, where a star illuminates gas and dust in the immediate vicinity. This is like fog around a streetlight. Another is an emission nebula. This is where an energetic star shines light on the nebula, and that light excites the gas in the nebula, and the gas gives off its own light. This is something like a neon light. The gas is excited and produces a light of certain wavelengths. Here's something that's rather important to know as you observe a nebula. For these types of nebula, reflection and emission, the brightness or magnitude of the nebula is often stated as the magnitude of the associated star. So if you have a 5.0 magnitude star illuminating or exciting the gas, then the nebula is stated as also being magnitude 5.0. This is often misleading because a bright star will provide more glare and make it harder to see the nebula. Under light-polluted conditions, with a bright star centered in a faint nebula, the nebula might disappear completely, while under dark sky conditions, the nebula is easily visible. Also, the nebula is brightest near the star and gets fainter as one moves away from the star. So, under light-polluted conditions, the nebula might appear small surrounding the star. But under good sky conditions, the nebula appears to increase in size and the fainter outline areas now become visible. Many times these nebula are associated with open star clusters. So you have an open star cluster with lots of individual stars and nebulosity in and around it. You cannot separate one from the other. All in all, the visibility of nebula depends greatly upon the amount of light pollution. This week I'll be producing a map of nebula to observe. We have a moon in the evening sky. You might want to wait a couple of weeks until the moon is out of the sky before you observe the nebula. Another type of nebula is the planetary nebula. They got their name because through a telescope they look round or nearly round like a planet. Planetary nebula are formed when a star gives out a belch of gas or a lot of gas and this gas forms a halo or a ring around the star as the gas expands away from the star. The star may be bright or faint, 
And in many planetary nebula, the central star, the star responsible for the nebula, is too faint to be easily visible in most amateurs' telescopes. The final type of nebula is an odd one. They are called dark nebula. E. E. Bernard's study of these objects conducted photographically more than 100 years ago defined this field. So many of the dark nebula have a B designation for Bernard, such as B86 or B142. A dark nebula is when gas and dust is between us and the background stars. The result is a dark area with a lack of stars. These areas are especially prominent in the Milky Way parts of the sky. To see them well, you need dark skies, and binoculars work especially well for observing dark nebula. Two eyes are better than one for improving contrast. I was looking at M24 the other night. This is defined not as a star cluster, but as a detached star cloud. It measures about a degree long and about a half a degree wide. For comparison, the moon is about a half a degree wide. I was using my binocular chair with a pair of binoculars that are 25 by 100. 25 magnification and an aperture of 100 millimeters. I was observing from the dark skies of Stargazer Ranch, my home in Arizona. I have seen M24 many times before, and we used to show it at public star parties from dark sites. But this past week when I looked at it, I noticed the very obvious dark nebula running down each side of the star cloud. The dark nebula helped to define the edges of the cloud. I had never seen them so well defined in the past. The instrument in sky conditions brought out the dark nebula. Most objects in the sky are rated by magnitude, that is how bright they appear. There is no way to do that with a dark nebula because a dark nebula does not give off light. Rather, it blocks light. So dark nebula do not have a magnitude or brightness estimate associated with them. In our evening sky this month, we have some nebula to look at either early this week before the moon becomes a factor or later in the month after full moon on August 22nd. These objects are plotted on podcast 84, map 3. We begin in the north and we head southward. We start with M57, the ring nebula in the constellation Lyra. This is a planetary nebula. It is about magnitude 9 and one arc minute across. It looks like a smoke ring or a donut. The central star is faint, about magnitude 15. We often show this at public star parties, cranking up the magnification to about 150 power in moderate size scope. Our next stop is M27, also known as a dumbbell nebula. This too is a planetary nebula. 
It measures about eight arc minutes by five arc minutes and is in the shape of a dumbbell. The type you use for weight training, or it looks like a bow tie or a butterfly. This object is about 800 light years away. Our next nebula is M16. It's also known as the Eagle Nebula. The Hubble Space Telescope photographed it a few years back, and it became known as the Pillars of Creation. Here we have both an open star cluster and a nebula, an emission nebula. The open cluster is unmistakable. Look around a bit to pick up the nebula. From here, move 2.5 degrees south to M17. This is also known as the Swan Nebula. Well, because it looks like a swan floating in the water. Actually, its, its neck is not very long, and swans have long necks. Maybe it should be known as the Duck Nebula. On this object, the open cluster is not very prominent, but the nebula is. Now we head south a bit and west, going 8 degrees, mostly south, to M20. This is known as the Trifid Nebula, both a nebula and an open star cluster. The nebula seems to be broken into three parts, each divided by a dark lane. See if you can see that. From M20, go slightly east, then 1.5 degrees south to M8. This is one of my favorites. A cluster and a nebula. It is known as the Lagoon Nebula, 5,000 light years away. The nebula has some dark channels running through it, thus the name Lagoon Nebula. Our final object is a dark nebula known as B86. It is small, and it sits about 4.9 degrees south of M8. To the east of it, and nearly joining it, is a small open star cluster known as NGC 6520. Now, just to the west of that cluster is a dark spot, a very dark spot, it's known as the ink spot. Dust and gas are between us and the background, so the background stars cannot be seen in this tiny area. Crank up the magnification and look for any stars. So get out there and look at these nebula. Next week, I will discuss galaxies. To recap the podcast, what's up this coming week? The moon is growing in brightness in our evening sky. Consider doing a video project, very easy to do. And look on the moon's surface for the X, the V, and the L on Saturday, August 14th. The Perseid meteor shower is still going strong as we start the week. It's in the morning sky. Sign up for both the ALPO Zoom conference beginning this Friday and the Astronomical League U2 conference beginning Thursday, August 19th. And see some nebula. You have been listening to Looking Up with Don. 
podcast episode number 84 for August 11th, 2021. I'm Don Mockholtz. Once again, the related website for this podcast is donmockholtz.com. That is spelled D-O-N-M-A-C-H-H-O-L-Z.com, two H's. You can contact me at donthestronomer at gmail.com. Once again, it's donthestronomer at gmail.com. God willing and pod willing, I'll be back next week for another episode of Looking Up with Don. We will discuss what's up in the sky. Mars and Mercury get very close together in our evening sky in strong twilight. Jupiter comes to opposition. The variable star Myra reaches its maximum brightness. I'll be discussing galaxies. All that and more. Thank you for listening. See the sky this week. I'll see you next week.